Denise, good to see you. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks, Mark. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Listen, we've uh, this is second podcast in two weeks, I think it is. So we're doing all right. We're catching up to our <laughs> one a week. It's also us. <laughs> it's our second podcast in 2023. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. That's true. We we're a bit slack, but uh, we're, we're back. But I loved, now. I loved your optimism. Your optimism yeah. is very. <laughs> One, very one a week. One a week was the original plan. So, Lise, just a quick catch up. How have things been? What have you been up to? Yeah, really busy actually, Mark. Um, life and work wise. Um, just loads of new projects. Um, uh, we're working with Hines at the minute. We're working with some new challenger brands. We've actually had loads of new work landing at the moment, and lots of potential new business pitches and things. So we've been really busy. There's been some management changes at work, so it's um, it's been very full on. Um, yeah, that's that's all right. If we don't mind it being like that, it's been International Women's Day today here as well. So we have yes. also had it was International Women's Day today. It was Pride, World Pride last week as well. So we organised a bit of an event in the studio for Pride that was rainbow cupcakes and you know just finishing a bit earlier and having a few beers. Um, so there's been a few a lot of culture things, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, in the SGC world. I often wonder about companies um, attaching themselves to these big sort of global celebrations, if you like, such as you know, Pride, for example, and whether some companies are doing it just as a for the sake of doing it and just to showcase, yes, we're, we're, it's something we can suggest that we're doing, which is positive. Um, and others who do a really good job of it, I believe. But yeah, it's often strange when people change their logos on their social media. Uh, and it's, what yeah, really it's doing? an it's an interesting one, isn't it? So actually, I mean, we just kept it low key and did something internal. Actually, one of one of my um, one of my amazing designers took because it's been World Pride in Sydney, so it's been two full on weeks of festivals globally. And he took um, he celebrated and was out partying all the weekend and took the Monday and Tuesday of both weeks off, and then came in on the Wednesday saying he was a shell of a human. Oh, no <laughs> way. I'm celebrating all that weekend. But we put together just, we, like I said, we just kept it low-key and in the studio. It wasn't about social posting or anything. But, yeah, we have clients who, you know, purposely create a product for Pride to show that they support Pride, but ultimately it's to sell cake or whatever it is. And how about International Women's Day? How does your company recognise that? What do they do? I mean, not at all, not at all stereotypical, but we just had wine and um, <laughs> Froyo or frozen, frozen yogurt and wine. Not at all, but in people, I'm like, where's the, we just really just wanted a crack and rum We've on the rock. beer, whiskey and cigars, come on. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a low-key thing, like a half four. Just yeah. finish up at half four and just have a drink and a, and a cheers on the terrace that we've got. But yeah, we just again, it's just internal. But I, I agree with you, a lot of companies go out to do it for the sake of doing it. Mm. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Mark? What have you been up to? I'm glad you didn't ask me about the concerts. What have you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> we can come back to that if you like. Yeah, that's definitely cultural trends. But um, no, it's been it's been a strange one actually. So since we last spoke, uh, I work wise been quite quiet. So working on so for those of you who don't know, I not only do I have sort of my little small design agency where I sort of do a lot of branding for beer, wine, and packaging brands and companies. Uh, I also do a lot of freelancing, and I freelance with a lot of design agencies, um, design agencies who probably specialize in branding and packaging. But this, so I haven't had a work for a month or so, and an agency approached me to ask if I could help them out. And they're a non-packaging specialist agency. And um, they've asked me to get involved in uh, with one of their clients, a client who I've worked with in the past, um, on some sort of high-end ice cream um, products. Quite exciting. And it's really interesting working with a design agency who doesn't necessarily specialize in branding and packaging because they have all the skill sets for um, creating beautiful, creative work. 
Um, but it may not necessarily fit or align itself with how we perceive branding and packaging to look like. Um, there are certain legalities that we've just we've talking about before about ensuring that barcodes in the right place, best before is, and you know, legally everything's at the right scale, yada yada. And of course, it has that shelf impact, uh, the visual that you're, you're looking to create. So we're working with that, those guys for the last couple of days, and so uh, thoroughly interesting. And it's really nice to be able to. Uh, appreciate the fact that you can share your knowledge with uh, people who work in in the design industry but no, don't necessarily have the knowledge about packaging so it's just a bit of a boost to your sort of confidence so yes you've got skill sets and knowledge that it's... sometimes <laughs> when you're in it you don't realize you know it kind of thing no well you don't realize it's just a niche um and such a skill set to have in fact i was sharing your you have a beautifully new designed website as well and i was sharing some of your work with my internal team to show them you know i was saying oh you know this is my mate that i podcast with and this is the kind of work that he does marks a gun and alcohol and beer and those kind of things so yeah, um, that's it. don't worry we know you're an expert um, oh, but it's nice when people you. kind of you realize like oh actually maybe i do know what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> it's true i mean yeah don't I'm a creative on a visual aspect. When it comes to copywriting, my copywriting on the website probably could do some improvement. But uh, yeah, that's something I know you're far way better than me at least. So well, well, that's that's the one thing I'm better at than some of the Photoshop work. So <laughs> <laughs> we all have our little things, don't I we? I know, I know. But other, other than that, no, work is good. Um, so that's been, so that's picked up again this week. So it's been, it was a little bit quiet. Um, and whilst working, doing the freelance side, and anyone who's sort of in this world probably will, will understand the challenges you you try and work on, on the your business development side but you also want to be earning at the same time working with so there's always that balance of working on the business and working in the business so you've got to try and find that mix and you know try not to work all the hours that are in the day if you've got young family or other commitments or you just want to enjoy a bit of downtime outside of work so yeah that's an interesting one so I'm in the moment in the process of, sort of trying to find that balance um and of course, ensuring that there's some sort of potential both growth, growth can, within my own business. Perhaps you can get yourself a digital assistant, Mark. To, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or a yeah, little metaverse right. bot to yeah, market you. I know, I know. Well, nice uh, segue there, Lise, because today we're going to be talking about cultural trends or culture trends. And we've got a few subjects, a few sort of pointers or areas that we're going to delve into. Um, which one do I want to start with, Lise? Because there's a couple of really interesting ones. There's um, no holds barred. We're a bit more outside of our comfort zone than we are when we talk about food and health and certain amounts of tech. Um, we'll start with them in order, shall we? So the one that you pulled out first was the new realities. And um, we've talked about Meta before. I talked about Meta when I had Alex on the on the podcast, and and he was obviously a lot more knowledgeable than me at the time. Um, so we should talk about the new realities. And obviously, Metaverse is pretty standard now. We're accepting it in different things, but this talks more to how it's going to evolve. Um, and how they're going to, I think the interesting point from well, that I see it is how they're going to fuse together the physical and the digital, how it goes rather than being it's meta, it's only this world and how the two, how our real world and metaverse come together rather than it being an online or an offline world. When we say metaverse, we, we've got meta, which we know is Mark Zuckerberg's large vision of having this yeah. sort of digital immersive world. But metaverse, are we... Is that the world that he's looking to create, or is it just a just a framework for which everyone is now attaching whatever they're going to be producing to work in that environment? So the metaverse, I mean, meta comes from um, gaming world, um, but it's the virtual or the transcendence using technology to simulate the real world. If that makes sense. 
I mean, I it does in lots of <laughs> long wordy phrases, doesn't do, it? So do. it's recreating the real world or aspects of the real world in a, in a virtual mm. capacity. Um, and then it uses AI to kind of do that within it. Um, yeah. And the rise of AI and the technical way that we're building AI, things like DALI, the way we're doing visual images being recreated mid-journey, those kind of things are going to enhance the metaverse, I think, because the worlds we're going to create can be enhanced by the way that AI is going to move forward. Because if the AI technology can create things from our imagination without us having to create them, it's going to speed it along. Which is something we can touch on probably towards the back end of this particular point, because I know that we were just discussing about how people within it, within the design industry and the creative industries are becoming quite concerned about the the use of AI in their own worlds, because AI is producing some visually extremely impactful stuff, um, both in a still sense and in even video sense uh, as in motion. Um, but I think what we were discussing before is about how some of these, let's look at illustrators as an example, people are producing work within seconds of people producing. AI is producing work based on work that's already exists out that's out there, let's say within the, the whole world of the internet, and producing some really visually stunning work. It has its errors, it's not quite there yet. And I think it's going to take time for it to sort of, when I say errors, it doesn't, if you ask it to sort of produce a, a portrait of someone, if you look at it in detail, hasn't quite got the ears, it might have six fingers on one hand, it's not, it's not quite there yet. But it's coming. We're in, we're in its fetal stages. And also, in, for example, we do a lot of food photography here in Sydney. So the recreation of food and food styling to the detail that the client would want it. It's not yet that advanced to recreate that kind of level of detail. So I think it depends. But to your point, there's a lot of people in the industry going, oh, no, like I'm going to be out of a job because this exists. And I think uh, it's interesting to hear people's opinions and think that their jobs are going to be taken in years to come. I look at it in terms of it's a tool so it can help you create the things that you don't necessarily have the time or patience to create, but you want to visualize it or create it. I mean, we're working, we were working at the back end of last year on a company that's trying to do a similar thing to Dali and Mid Journey, but they will help designers create mood boards and things. So you would work with the technology to create a mood board. And we all know what we want when we do a mood board, but it takes time to source the right images to find exactly what you want. Whereas if you could go, I'm looking for a person stood in the rain in a red rain mac to capture the mood of optimism in a storm, they can create that for you. You haven't got to spend hours looking on Shutterstock and all of the different image libraries. You've got, no, I, this is kind of what I'm looking for. But then yeah. there's also that gray space of you don't know what you're looking for and you stumble across it. There's that moment that you, you, you that's, that's organic, uh, uh, you know, mid-journey can't recreate that. That's really interesting. That's something which um, I know the likes of Google, for example, have improved their, let's say, image search facilities where you, or even Shutterstock does it, where you find an image and then it looks for images that are, are in a similar realm or you also might be interested in type thing. Someone like Netflix might also suggest you might be interested in this as well. But it brings up imagery which is just fits around that perhaps um, environment. So I'm, I've noticed that all search engines now are almost improving the searchability and things that might you might be interested in that attach themselves to whatever you're looking for. Um, but I find that quite uh, interesting. Going back to what we we're talking about with metaverse, um, if I'm completely honest, so far I'm quite underwhelmed by what we've seen uh, from what the metaverse has 
purported to be able to provide us with. And I know it's a sort of, it's a moving beast and it's something that's going to grow. And I don't think it's going to have an impact on us probably properly for at least 10 years, um, both in the corporate world and outside of that recreationally. Um, I know there are specialists out there and gamers who are perhaps using it. And I was just looking at AR and VR, so uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, how they're being used. I think it's interesting that a lot of gamers that I speak to are not for, like they don't want the whole world to embrace metaverse. Like it's their bubble, it's their world. They don't suddenly want to be sold to within it. It becomes a shopping mall. And I was reading something in Forbes today that the future is there's this um, Amazon are developing a platform that instead of scrolling through Amazon on your little um, app or your computer, you step into Amazon picture and it's a metaverse mall where your avatar can walk down the street and then it might look around the shops and on its way back, it, it walks past a virtual gallery and it, it decides to buy an NFT while it's there and it sees its other avatar wearing the latest Nike Jordans. So there's all these different things that you go, that's where they're thinking it will go. It's just a matter of like how quickly are we going to get there? And also you've got to convince people to adopt it and be in it. How quickly is the technology and our acceptance of the technology going to expand? I think that's an obvious approach, do you not think, to replicate the real world and the digital world. And we know there has to be a better solution to just having a shopping mall, for example, replicating exactly the same way and having avatars that perhaps represent you, maybe you might have wings or you know uh, purple hair or whatever. There must be an alternative solution to that. And I think, I think, and in the short term, it might be something on the lines, on the lines of augmented reality, which, I, you know, you have these things where some of the apps use um, try before you buy. So you might, and I know I've noticed that on Amazon, um, we, were, we bought a TV recently and just, just really bizarre. You can, you can see how that TV might look in your living room. So you sort of load up the app, look through your phone and look at the wall where you want the, um, TV to go and you go, oh yeah that's about the right size and what have you um, and this is probably where I think Metaverse is going to be starting I know that Apple for example are looking to launch their own version of um, VR goggles they've been very quiet in the world of Metaverse apparently There's, they haven't even yeah. commented on how they're going to that suggests it's shit <laughs> well maybe but also just maybe they're working on something on their own in their own world but it's definitely I'm really interested to see what these, um, they've been referred to as MR, which is going to be mixed reality, so augmented reality and virtual reality and real world all together in one. If it's Apple that's doing it, you like to think that first they're exploring how to simplify it because at the minute, the complexity of it and also the security of it are still a little bit sketchy. Yeah, and of course you can use Apple Pay. Because <laughs> this is the other thing with Metaverse, how are we going to... Um, exchange currency or exchange you know monies because that's what it's all about is, is people embracing this for to make purchases or even for entertainment if you're going to a concert how do you pay for the um yeah the experience well and that's where well that's where originally crypto was going to live wasn't it and it become a decentralized system but obviously now you know the crypto market's bombed the economies are bombing it'd be interesting to see where it goes and when it does start to climb yeah i yeah and maybe apple pay might be the way forward i mean I'm not going to overhang my sort of a hat on Apple just yet and making sure, because you just don't know how it's going to develop. I mean, I know Apple aren't always the first to produce things. I mean, for example, the smartphone, they weren't the first to produce the first smartphone, but ultimately they won that game. Um, and I think maybe we might, I might be wrong in saying this, but, but the iPad wasn't the first tablet out there, but it obviously became the staple 
or the the mainstay for it's the iconic one. Yeah, so maybe they they're not always first to market, but they often produce the best or one of the better, more sort of consumer friendly. So yeah, I I know it's with sort of a broad brush on the metaverse and where we think it's going, but current I, right now. I want to see more happening. It's not happening. I think because of the sort of economic downturn and everyone's struggling financially, you know, people aren't willing to invest too much in it. And brands at the moment don't want to risk investing in something openly. Obviously, I know they are and lots are, but. I think it's a great opportunity for brands. But I think, again, to your point, like it's how quickly the AI can help support the metaverse and build within it. So when you've got the kind of technology that can do research and analyze the data and understand where people are drawn to. So there's a, um, an article I was reading today that said that by 2030, AI technology will affect at least eight of the areas within, our, within human activities, which included transport, healthcare, home and service robots, education and entertainment. And how it will, and it talked very much about all of those researcher jobs that you'd have to organically look for things. It will allow you to go away and, and research, especially in medical care. You will be able to go away and test things and analyze those results far quicker than anyone could have done human wise um, as we advance that AI technology. And then I'm not quite sure how that feeds back into the whole metaverse in terms of a virtual world, but it's still using AI technology, advancing that. And then I think once people use it within useful things, they'll start to then integrate it into this kind of virtual portal that we're all going to become part of. So going back then, do you think that you as a business, so SGK, when it starts to embrace it and you, when you're having, because I think one of the benefits that's been sold to us is for large global companies such as SGK doing sort of internal comms and training uh, and sort of embracing it in that respect. So you put your virtual goggles on and suddenly your whole team sat around a big sort of theater discussing you know, this is how you see these visuals as cool as that would be i mean yeah it would be um, i do you think that would be happening oh look i think it'll be it's a nice idea isn't it it's a nice visual but there's still something about humans in the same room i think in terms of a big global business what we'll look for is that we'll always look for the technology piece what can help us do our jobs quicker better more seamlessly i don't know like i've just spent two hours today trying to help people sort out a font problem because uh centralized IT department have been unable to fix things and you'll get like millions of emails. So I think it's nice to try and automate everything, but it doesn't always work. There is that. And so until you prove to people it works, there are frustrations and tensions and I don't know how how much people will put up with. <laughs> it, it becomes, I'm sure we're the equivalent of like your mum when she goes to those checkouts and goes, I just want someone to take my groceries so I can pay for them and pack them myself. I don't want to scan it. Like we must be the equivalent of that in Metaverse. We're like, until it actually works, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> but interesting enough, again, just looking at other businesses that are really investing, as well as Apple, I know that Adobe are as well. And I, I was reading an excerpt, I think from the Wonder Woman Thompson document, which we were sort of looking at the other day, that it's facilitating its own sort of creative world in the Metaverse. Uh, I'm just reading uh, this verbatim here. Um, Adobe Max conference in 2022, the company announced a new collaboration with artificial intelligence powered features for Creative Cloud, which obviously we all use. Um, and David Vodavani, how do you say his name? Uh, we're doubling down on the collaboration. Um, and he believes that creativity is increasingly a team sport. So whether you're collaborating with other creators or asking for feedback from stakeholders. So um, I think it's nice to see that Adobe in their own right, are looking to how can they embrace AI to perhaps move into the, uh, maybe the metaverse, I'm not sure, but 
um, what they're going to be doing. And that kind of feeds into the second of those trends that's about creator communities. Um, and I think that's definitely the way to go. I read the same quote from Adobe and wrote down a lot of notes around the idea of actually it's about um, collaboration moments and AI becomes one of the tools for collaboration. It's like, how do you get people together to create the vision? And it's just another tool, your mid journeys, your Dali's, your chat GPT. They're all tools that you can use to activate a vision. Are you using any of these at all? Are you using any of these at work? I mean, in a, in a so chat GPT or mid journey, do you use them? We haven't used chat GPT. Um, a, a mate of mine's actually doing a copywriting course in chat GPT. It's very difficult for me to say that word. That's why I yeah. don't want to use it and <laughs> talk about it too much. <laughs> I just find it really difficult to say. Can we just give it like a code name? Um, so we we don't use chat GPT. Obviously, as creatives, we're all like, what is it? Let's log into it. Let's find out about it, just out of interest. We've used Midjourney. We've got an internal Midjourney account that we sometimes use just to play around with and see what we can create. We did an internal. So we've been testing it and trialing it to see what it can do with food because we do so much food styling and photography for our clients. And we recently did an SGK cookbook that was everyone from around the world's recipes. And then our photo studio like, did them, styled them, and they wrote the recipes along with a brand story of the person who did it. So we've just done that. Send you a copy if you want one. But the front cover, so someone, one of our designers designed the actual book, and then we did all the shots to go in the book. And then we just put this beautiful organic, it was like leaves of some different herbs and spices on the front cover and put SGK flavors of diversity. And then we came to do all the printing and copyright, you know, the retouching or anything on the images. And someone went, image on the front, I can't find the raw file. Like, because whoever's designed it had done it in mid journey. No, I bet they said, right, I've got three minutes to design this. All right, easy, mid journey. <laughs> all of the other images were beautifully shot in-house, styled and these gorgeous recipes, but the cover wasn't actually done by us only in mid journey. So look, we're creators. We've been playing with it to see what it can do. It can't, you know, it's those moments. And, you know, you've been on photo shoots and art directing and things and someone will go, we had one in the studio today. It was for bacon, actually, it's bacon sandwiches. And, and you know, it's those moments where you go like, oh, can, I just need that, that edge of that egg to be a bit less... Um, burnt and I need you to just make the bait and they're the moments that you can't once an image is created you can't then go back and recreate it in the same way yeah it's only as good as the person is the person behind it it's only as good you know chat cpg is only as good as the person behind it asking the questions and giving it prompts yeah so it's a tool it's a great tool I think the thing with these types of um products so mid-journey specifically is it's all about the information you supply with up front because it is a tool, effectively, and it's it's a robot. You've got to tell, you've got to give it its directions for it to go. And if you're not giving it the key search words for it to go and look for, it's going to not come up with the, the right thing. And it's it's tweaking and testing. We're early days with something like Mid Journey. Um, in years to come, seeing how that moves forward and develops. Yes, it is a tool massively, and I've shown clients in the past, in the last six months or so just out of interest at the end of a presentation, just to show you, if you start putting some keywords into something like mid-journey, this is the sort of thing that comes up when we're looking at this subject matter, be it ice cream or be it a bacon brand, whatever it might be. And it, it's just interesting to almost show your clients, almost get them on board slowly. We're going to be using AI at some point down the line. This is just to show you where we're at right now. This is how we could potentially be using it. That's a really good point, actually, Mark. And that touch into, it touches into some of the other consumer and behavior trends that we've looked at. I was listening to There's a new Mintel podcast out at the moment that talks very much to the rise of AI. And it talks about the need for clients, for creatives, 
for creator communities to just be really open. And we talked before about transparency and the need to just be honest with your clients. Like if you say, look, this is how we created this. This is how the outcome to lie. You just, as long as you're honest and transparent and go, we use these are our tools rather than pretend you did it. Or, you know, it's, it's about even, even for brands, like if brands are using this kind of technology, be open that you're using it. But if your social content and your influences are created without using real people, like just be open. How did you do it? Yeah, that's the, that's another scary thing because we're going to get to a stage where we don't know. And we were just discussing before off air about how um, people are being hoodwinked into what is real and what's not. And for example, Pre President Biden of the US, um, having him say stuff in front of a camera, which isn't real, it's been produced you know, through some artificial intelligent, artificial intelligent software, which makes him look like he's saying something he really didn't. It's just based on stuff he's been filmed saying in the past, and it's been cut perfectly. And even facially, he's saying you know it's all as he would. Biden's a bit of a bad example because he's it's not particularly um, with it the whole time. But even let's say Rishi Shunak, for example, or even Boris Johnson, the perfect example because him he he does say crazy stuff anyway. But all this sort of, it's really scary because sometimes we're getting to a point now where we don't know what's real and what's not. Um, so our clients are definitely going to be looking at stuff and saying, we don't know if that's real or whether it's not. Is that real photography or is it not? And then you question, does it matter? Yeah, there's, there's IP and copyright, where it's come from. There'll be ways around that, I'm sure. But I, you're absolutely right. You've got to be honest with the clients. And this is where this source of information has come from. Um, but I think for us as professionals and creative professionals, the use of AI and using services like mid journey become part of our toolkit if you like and it's at the front end of where our sort of our creative stages we will use it just as we much might use pinterest or and he, and even the point of um you know we talk about all of these services and things like that make everyone able to create so they almost make anyone an artist they said that ages ago and, and you know things like canva were created so that anyone could design their own stuff it doesn't make you a designer just because you've got a package that you can do those things in. So I think, you know, everyone's going like, oh, because we've got these platforms now, everyone's an illustrator because of mid-journey. No, they're not. <laughs> it's very different. Like, it's not, it's it's kind of, no, it enables creativity. It's We should be optimistic about how these might help us or, or kind of help us with our imagination side to go, where can we push it and what can we create? I know. Well, talking about creativity, here's my really bad segue. Side hustles. Now, I know initially we were just talking about working, me working on my own business and then doing a bit of freelance work on the side of that and looking at other ways in which I can sort of uh, pay the bills, as it were, and sort of pay the mortgage off. Um, this is, a, I find this a fascinating subject because it's something that in the last, since the pandemic has grown massively. So what I'm discussing here is, I think we've entitled it the artisan wave or what we use it as a reference point. And so in turn, we're just talking about people's side hustles and how they're making ends meet. Um, what are your thoughts, Lise, on side hustles? I think it was a really interesting one, and I thought it fitted you perfectly. I was not surprised that of the 10 trends that we could have picked. <laughs> this was the one that you picked. Yeah. Um, because I actually was more fascinated by the fact that it wasn't just like I didn't necessarily think of a side hustle. And I think of when you're in a studio, but you're trying to do your bit of graphic design for your mate on the side while you do your day job to pay yes, the bills. That's it, exactly. Yeah. When, you're, when you're younger or whatever, or when you're kind of, oh, look, I've got to do something to pay the bills, and then I'll do my little bit of design at night, or I'll... You know, some people make things at night and it's funny. So one of our uh, one of our account handlers announced last week that she'd opened up an Etsy store and started doing these, like found some 
graphics that she wanted to put on some mugs and then there's a print shop that allows you to do it and you kind of I mean as designers we go like oh really <laughs> um, but you know the amount of people that are doing that and actually doing all right at it well funny you should say that Liz because I've got some stats for you here. go on dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I so, love stats <laughs> So one in five adults in the UK, so 19%, have started a side hustle since March 2020. Uh, and almost one in six claim they can earn upwards of £1,000 a month from the new side wow. venture. Wow. Which is a big That's amount of money. So if you, it's, quite, it's pretty good as an additional source of income. Um, I can't depend on how many hours you're putting in and uh, what loss that might be. So we're just talking about life balance, about if you've got family or relationships and you've got things you to keep those. And yet, if you're spending an extra 40, an extra 40 hours a week working on your side hustle. Um, then I thought, well, it's also an average side hustle is making around about 500 quid a month for of their secondary income. Um, but it says the most popular side hustle that people chose to pursue are to sell handcrafted products so probably like you said mugs and stuff or graphics they're producing to put them onto not mouse mats maybe more i don't know wallpaper or whatever um so 23 percent on sell handcrafted products 12 percent freelancing one in nine turn to art nine percent to photography while a similar similar number <laughs> tried their hand at social media influencing <laughs> so 10 percent so social media influencing which I mean, I guess that's trying to sell either positive messages or yeah. selling nutritional information or fitness, whatever it might be. I guess something on those sort of lines. I was going to say, during COVID, we all had a lot of time to sit and watch all of those videos on YouTube that were about how to make passive income, how to make thousands of dollars without actually putting in the work. At which point, you know, like, there's a lot of these videos and not everyone is earning this money. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it just made true. everyone think like what little bit can I do plus we had the time and people that's like to your point that would have been when people started them because they had the time to start them well a lot of people are sitting in the UK and it, I, a bit of a gripe of mine but a lot of people were on furlough uh, which meant they were still being paid yet they were sat at home um, so they, were, they had, an in, had an income they were sat at home and had time on their hands and could sort of develop a new skill um, and potentially follow a passion so be it let's say a painting for example and then you could become set, like selling their painting on Etsy or whatever. I love the idea of side hustles. And for, as a, from a personal perspective, um, having had a small business for God knows how long now, you're always looking at sort of new ways in which you can sort of um, increase that exposure in, and then in, in turn in, sort of in, increase your own income in some way. Um, and then what else you can add to it. So when I first started on my own, scarily, 18 20 years ago um a friend of mine a very successful wealthy friend of mine said um the average millionaire has seven different sources of revenue seven sources of income from investment to property to you know whatever it might be so as a freelancer you can't help but think along those sort of lines too and there's having a bit of an entrepreneurial sort of thought process to everything you try and do how you can upsell to clients or to your customers I think anyone who's who's ever freelanced or had their own business or done that, you're always in that mindset of what else could I do or how could I promote it or, um, you know, like we were, because we, you're always having, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, you're taking on courses and things that allow you to sell a bit better or a bit differently. And one of the interesting things that I thought on this one was when they, when they talked about it in terms of it being a form of escapism from the daily grind. And it did make me think a little bit today about, well, actually, what about, because like we actually took it, like, I, I think I'm speaking for you too. Like, I love what I do. 
Yes, it's challenging. Yes, there are days that you go, oh, but on the whole, I love what we do and the challenges that we have to face and the problems we solve. As a career, we chose it. We like it. We enjoy it. But when you look at the artisan ways became escapism from the daily grind, it made me think about those people who do the nine to five. And they're just looking for something that they actually don't enjoy their nine to five. So to them, to them, it becomes actually something that fulfills them, that feels like their purpose and almost like a freedom that came from it. And they talked about, I wrote down, Mark became a farmer. He did start <laughs> to do things like, you had your little like, you know, you had sheep issues Menagerie, and things like that yes, at one point. But they, yeah. <laughs> but they talked about people becoming bakers or cheesemakers or starting their own fashion brands. And doing something completely different. Again, so many people were baking bread or making kombucha or things like that, that then became a side hustle. So people's passion projects. I thought that was quite a nice, interesting take on the artisan wave, rather than it just being about, I need an extra stream of income. It became a way to fulfill their purpose or to go, my nine to five is really flipping mundane. And I know I can't be a cheesemaker for the whole of my life, but it's something I'm passionate about. Maybe I can earn a bit on the side. And eventually it takes over your nine to five. Yeah, I think the other thing which is worth mentioning is how the world is changing is companies are enabling their employees and the, the likes of HR departments are you know, accepting the fact that our team, a lot of companies going down to four day weeks, people are finding themselves they've got an extra day of the week, they can potentially do something they enjoy and make a, a, another source of living. Um, and companies are accepting of this and almost um, younger generations. And I, I hate to doing this because I I'm, I still feel like I'm 20 years old most of the time. So what do I talk about so that when I look at my real age, oh, my goodness. But so young workers uh, in the full time role they're, they It's not just that they just want, don't want to have just one career. They want to have multiple careers and doing lots of things at the same time. And it's the way in which people think now, you know, we're, we're thinking far quicker in terms of our approach and we lose interest we the younger generation will lose interest quite quickly so they're trying to keep themselves motivated so if you as a company are allowing your team members to as long as it's not having a heavy impact on what they're doing in their day day job when i was working full-time a long time ago having a freelance job you never talk about it and you would say i can't even mention this at work because if they find out i'm doing something else someone's going to come down on me i'm going to get sacked yet now i think if i had a team a team member who said to me, um, Mark, listen, I just need to let you know that I've got a job which I'm working on at the moment. Um, it doesn't clash with what we're doing here, but it's just to let you know what I'm doing because you know, occasionally I might have to take days off work to go. And listen. As long as it's helping you and it's keeping you interested in what you're doing, um, I wouldn't have a problem with it too. And I think every people are coming around to that. It's not the old style thinking. No, again, it's just that tra- it's just that transparency, isn't it? It's just that being open and honest and going, look, this is, makes me more on when I'm on and so my time out or the whatever I need to spend the time doing like it feeds back into us we understand it more as creatives I don't know how much people would understand it as much if you did like an office job or a really corporate job it might be thought about a bit different but definitely I think with creative industries or anything within our world you go well no like I think that's almost like your little a bit of you that makes you different to everyone else isn't it like when I tell people like at first I was a bit wary of because you know whether the podcast I was recording would be a conflict when I got the job at SGK, they were like, oh, that's separate to your work. It's like, well, we don't get paid. It's not like we get paid for it. We might do one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you know, there, there's those, there used to be those tensions, but now it's just like, well, no, like it's, you know, it's something that like if, if they'd have said to me, you cannot do it, it really would have, it would have changed my view of them as a company. And it would have changed my view of that brand. If someone says, you know, you can't, 
job really is like well, i think it's all about it's, it's about number one it's confliction of interest if you have if you're working with a yeah. client for example outside yeah, and then yeah. it's you're working with their competitor yeah. within your business yes, yes. There's, and there's there's no you haven't there's no clear ndas that no. signed to suggest no. you can't work with this person that person but it, yeah but if you said work, to so, me i want to take friday off to make jam because i've got a market on this weekend and i need to sell my jam then that's going to be fine right yeah. like it's fine like you need to do it <laughs> I think so. And, I, and there's every chance that that person is going to take the day off anyway as, as a sick day. So you kind of think, well, OK, you've got to you've got to be seen as a company to embrace, um, I guess, alternative ways in which people are sort of looking to live their lives. And interestingly enough, I was looking at on Shopify yesterday and there was a list of the 24 best side hustles of 2023. <clears throat> and I'm just number 14 it was start a podcast. <laughs> now, as a side hustle, starting a podcast, you're not going to make much money just from personal experience. But I, we're not doing this for but, the money. No, and that's, also, got, that's got to be clear. we've consciously not gone out and had sponsors, or we've consciously not gone out. And if anyone had approached us to advertise on it, like, I don't know about you, but it's one of my bugbears. I love the Stephen Bartlett podcast. But the fact that now every time I listen to his podcast, he ripples through some of his own sponsored brands. Like it just drives me. I have to skip those bits because it was like he doesn't. Yeah, if no, you have no. it on Spotify, <laughs> you don't have adverts because it's Spotify. So I've subscribed and I paid my money to not have the adverts. Yeah. <clears> and then ultimately, what <throat> you're doing is halfway through going like, you know, I like to work out. I use Huel, and you're like, that's your company. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's very. True. And he, but he does state that. But you're absolutely right. So, um, in terms of side hustles, we make no money from this podcast. But there are other things on that list actually were. This is quite interesting. This is one way in which you just sat there thinking, I've got to, I need some more money from somewhere. So number one on that list is participate in paid online surveys. But there's other things like testing apps and websites you can get paid for, um, become a ride share driver, um, delivering groceries or food. Are there any that you do, Mark? Are there any like small ones? Because I'm a competition hound. I'm also someone who is really good at finding things that get dumped in the trash and selling them on eBay and stuff. Like pieces of furniture that get left out for the junk. I'll take them in, clean them up, and I can sell them. Um, do you have any like little? I don't. It's not necessarily just because you need the money. It's just something that you got like a little something. Well, interesting enough, because we bought this house uh, a couple of years ago, and it's got we've got a few sheds. In fact, you can oh, you can see that there's the people listening can't see it. <laughs> there's a shed right behind me here, <laughs> and in that shed we've got people who've sort of come. Oh, we just need a bit of space. Um, do you mind if you just store this bit of furniture for us? And we've got a shed out of furniture, um, and also we've been doing some property um, some development in the house, so new kitchen, new bathroom and stuff. So there's lots of stuff that I've or more on Lorraine than me is selling uh, on things like Facebook Marketplace or even eBay. Starting a YouTube channel is still on that list. Oh, renting your home out to vacationers. There you go, Lise. There's one way of doing it. You just move out of your house, get people to move in. That, that's certainly, certainly something that I've been, I know that people have been doing for many years now. Uh, in fact, Airbnb. The rise of the side hustle. I think that's going to ever can continue and people are going to always looking to have alternative sources of, sources of income. For this year's November challenge, maybe we should pick a little side hustle nice and we should start that for our november challenge because clearly we failed at last year so yeah. in oh, some ways be, yeah. so that might be something to go think about it you've got lots of months now to think about it before november what's your side hustle going to be and then we'll give ourselves a month to see if we can make any money from it that's a really good what a idea. Great idea does it have to be connected to our industry for example i mean it's something it should no so, it could no. be anything you can't set up your shed as big yellow stories like the latest <laughs> storage facility in devon <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, I don't think it has to be related to our industry. Like you can, I don't know, make papier-mâché swans and sell them if you want to. One thought I would love to do, and again, this is just not really related to our industry at all either, is I would love to set up a bank. Just look after people's money. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so, so bizarre. We can design it. might not get it back, time. but I can look after it for them. <laughs> I think there's something legal in Mark that. Mark Gray's <laughs> bank has disappeared. Where's it gone? I've done a runner. MG does afterpay. Yes, I know. Um, and Lisa, we've got one last subject which we can sort of bring up. Which again, was it? This is on the Wonder Wonder Thompson. Wonder I think it was more just to make us chuckle. Is this just the one to make us chuckle? Because we yes. were like, well, what I don't know that? if we should voice our opinions on this one. <laughs> well, funny enough, I shared this knowledge with a neighbour the other day, and he thought I was far too trendy. So how do you know this? So the new word is situationship. Lise, do you want to describe what it is? <laughs> it's about redefining it's about redefining the rules around the relationships in your world. And it's it's funny, so different people serve different roles in your world. And actually Jay Shetty does a really good talk about different people facilitating different worlds in your different needs within your world. So you won't have all of those needs met by one person, like care and compassion you know, boosting you when you're down. They won't always be, some will be from a friend, some will be from a partner, some will be from family. But this one talks more to not having one consistent partner, companion, and and it being, um, I don't know, we, you, you and I would probably call it non-monogamy. But Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, I... What's your friends being like friends with benefits? We might have called it years ago yeah. <laughs> instead of partners. Yeah. Um, what do you think to it, Mark? I kind of think it's been happening for a long, long time and we shouldn't knock it because it, it's out there and people that sometimes that's just the way people are. But I think it's in reference. It's more about the Gen Zers. Um, and it, I think a, a quote directly from that um, document we're looking at, it says a, a particular person was saying that you're less likely to get into a traditional, traditional monogamous relationship if you're not certain that they're going to be stability in the future. So again, in this world where we're not certain where how things are going in a sort of certainly from a financial perspective um, and e economically, I think people are sort of treating their relationships in the same sort of fashion. So they're sort of treading carefully and don't want to commit themselves or overcommit. So they have a semi-commitment to people. And I think it will work. It can work as long as you're being honest and upfront from the outset. And this might even work from a professional capacity. So we have a situation from a job perspective. If you're upfront from the outset, I don't know if this job's right for me, but I'm willing to give it a go. Um, and we'll just give it a month and see what happens. And you know, see that that's the part that I'm all into. So as someone who like I'm all about committing hundred percent to anything. If you meet someone, you're with someone, you commit hundred percent to that person. But I'm also a big believer that nothing lasts forever. And it's a real cynical view. And I'm cool with that. And find that at some point everything ends, be it a job be a, a relationship or something I'd love to be proven right but I think I do think there are pockets of time and so far everything that we've been through throughout the world throughout our lives I think at some point things end for new things to begin and so I think we'd be kind of a bit naive to go like everything lasts forever like life isn't necessarily a fairy tale and that's okay and again to the job like do you start a job and go I'm here for the next 40 years of my well, life we used to Very we used really, to. definitely within our yeah. industry yeah, and so I, but I think that's definitely definitely the way that the world has moved. Like you're surprised now to find someone definitely of a Gen Z that stays in a job for a, for a prolonged period of time because the options you know there's just there's this continuous movement, um, and I think it's like that. The one thing as well, same with friendships. Like you'll have really close friends, but you'll still move through different pockets of life. 
they'll serve different roles within your life. I don't necessarily think it's about having lots. It's just about having quality. And if that quality is condensed into a pocket of time, yeah. that's okay. I think ultimately it's, it's people's relationships reflecting what's happening in the economy. So, it's, you know, it's reality reflecting reality. That's a phrase. Um, so people just reflecting on their own lives and thinking, well, you know, it's, it's, it's temporary, some of the challenges what we have. Sometimes people move on. Sometimes people stick with it. Lise, that was fascinating. That was a nice, that was a nice positive it one. It was, it was. Um, oh, look, Lise, this has been brilliant. I've really enjoyed that. And uh, again, the thing is with talking about trends is they're ever ongoing. There's always going to be new trends. And no, we can't be wrong. They're, we're all just predictions. Yeah. They're so just, it's, it's they're just, just using a finger opinion. in the air. Yeah, they're using opinions based on some of the insights that the, that our communities are telling us. So it's kind of nice to dig some of those examples out and go, how do we feel about these? And do we agree with them or not? And we had to present these thoughts and ideas to our clients every day anyway. So we're having to predict and try and make sure that we're producing them, work for them, that we know is going to stand the test of time and last on shelf as long as they need. Well, Lisa, listen, it's been brilliant. Enjoy the uh, hate is it, what are we now? You're. It's night time. It's, yeah, it's nine o'clock at night. It's cooled down now. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit cooler, but the aircon in the house helps as well, I guess. Brill. All right, Lisa, this is, this is fantastic. I look forward to the next podcast. Good to chat. Thanks, Mark. Bye.